Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You guys can be seated. Are you glad to be in the presence of God tonight? I told Pastor Isaac I just had a couple cups of coffee right now, and I'm a little bit jittery, so I'm ready tonight. Are you guys ready tonight? Man, I'm excited. Um, Before I begin, I have to do this. I do this every single time. I got to honor our pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Lethe. Uh, They're my parents. Want to honor the pastoral staff, Pastor Isaac, Pastor Rob, and Evangelist John Tahaji. And lastly, I got to do this. I got to honor my beautiful wife, Linda, who is actually in the office right now taking care of our new baby girl. I mean, all right, can you guys put up that first picture? Look at that. I mean, look, look at that. Can you do the next one? Oh, my God. That's what happens when you leave her at grandma's house, all right? Thank you, guys. You know, I, I appreciate it. I, I'm, just, I'm just excited to be a dad, all right? That, that's like, I was talking to John. This is like my, the only dad moment I get to do, and I will probably do it more and more. Um, but I'm just excited to be a dad. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to speak tonight. I believe uh, God has put a word on my heart. I believe God has given me a message, a revelation uh, of what I should speak tonight. You know, tonight I'm not going to be long. At least, at least that's what I'm going to say. Um, but there's a thought that I've been thinking about for a, for a while now, I think the beginning of this year. And I, as I was preparing my message, I couldn't help but to think that this is something, this is the, the thought that I need to preach about. And the title of my message, which I'm not very good at titling messages, um, it's What This Dying World Needs. As I begin to think about our world that we're living in right now, it's getting darker and darker. It's getting more wicked. It's getting uh, more evil. And let me tell you, it's not giving up. Now, I know we had this amazing news, right? Uh, last week, we heard, we heard about Roe v. Wade being overturned. I mean, yeah, you guys can give a hand clap. This is awesome. This is something, something that we should be celebrating. Because more lives, more babies' lives will be saved. But the thing is, look at this. As, as soon as I found out this news, I was on Instagram and I was scrolling. And I seen this news and, you know, I'm excited. I'm thanking God. But then I start to scroll down and I start to see all the other, all the other news. I start to see how evil the world is about this. I start to see how angry they are. I start to see how just that they're so upset that this has happened. And they, started, they start to blame the church. And they start to blame the church of, of what's happened of this decision. And check this out. The sad thing is, it's not just unsafe people. The sad thing is there are Christians who are, the, who are the ones that are unhappy with this decision. There are Christians who believe it's okay just to feel the way you want to feel. They're Christians with, with no standard, standards in their life who give in to any kind of pressure. They don't speak up for what's right. And there are Christians who would rather please the multitudes than please God. You see, tonight we're living in a time where people are lost more than ever. And without men and women of God raising up, nothing will change. 
I began to think about the world and I began to think about everything that's going on. And I was reminded of this story in the book of Ezra. Now, if you don't know, during this time, the Israelites are allowed to go back to Jerusalem. They've been held captive in Babylon for many years. And they're allowed to go back to Jerusalem. And there's a man by the name of Ezra, who's this priest, this awesome teacher of the, of the word. And he's appointed to lead, the, uh, to lead this group of Israelites back to Jerusalem. And he, this is his second journey back to Jerusalem. And when he comes to Jerusalem, it's, he's, he's just shocked. He comes back and he finds that the Israelites had turned away from God again. He finds out that, that the Israelites have been uh, disobeying God and doing the things that they were not supposed to do. He finds out that they've been marrying pagans. They've been marrying different people with, with different beliefs. Now, let me tell you, the Jews, the Jews had a very strict law when it came to marriage. It was a holy covenant before God. I mean, it was, it was something spiritual. You see, this is something they were not supposed to do, yet they were doing it. You see, a Jew who married a pagan would eventually adapt the pagan's beliefs and practices as their own. You see, the, the Jews believed that if the Israelites were willing enough to disobey God in something as important as sacred and mar as marriage, then they wouldn't be strong enough to stand firm against their spouse's idolatry. Now, when Ezra comes back to Jerusalem, he finds, finds out that they're completely disobeying God. They're marrying foreigners. They're marrying these pagans who believe in these different gods. And, and, and this kind of sounds a lot like today's world. See, I believe if Ezra came back and he's seen the world today, if he's seen our society today, he would see people that are compromising their walk with God. He would see people that are fulfilling their own desires instead of the Lord's. He would see people marrying other people, even the same gender. Doesn't matter what they believe in. He would see Christians who completely support abortion, who completely support in the right to choose whether a baby lives or dies. Christians who are intentionally disobeying God. So we have Ezra here and he's, he finds out that the people of Israel have abandoned their beliefs and they're disobeying God and he's just shocked. He's in complete disbelief that, that the Israelites would disobey God. He can't, he can't believe it. He's just shocked at what he's seen and I love this I love, this, I love this story because it, it, it shows a lot about what's happening today. In Ezra chapter 9, verse 3, it says that this is when he finds out. He says, When I heard this, I tore my cloak and my shirt. I pulled hair from my head, my beard, and I sat down utterly shocked. I'm going to jump down to verse 5. It says this. Then at the, at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my shirt and my cloak torn and I fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord, my God, and I prayed this. I am too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift up my face to you. Because our sins are higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. If you read the next couple verses, I think the next 10 to 12 verses, he's, he's crying out to God. And he's crying out to God on behalf of the Israelites. And he begins to repent. He begins to weep before God because of what they have done. It says that he was so ashamed that he couldn't even lift up his head to God. 
Ezra knew that what they had done was very serious. He knew that it would not just affect them as individuals, but it, it would also affect the nation. See, he recognized how lost and sinful the Israelites were that he began to cry out on their behalf. See, Ezra had a heart for his people. He had a heart for the lost. And he began to cry out in repentance to the God for the people of Israel. See, the thing is, when he went to prayer, when he, when he tore his shirt, when he tore his cloak, said that he did it directly in front of him. See, he didn't go away and he cried by himself. He did it in front of him. And he began to weep for the people of Israel for their sins. And I love what happens next. In verse, uh, in verse 10, or in, in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children gathered around him, and they too wept bitterly. The Israelites, the men, women, and children wept bitterly alongside Ezra. And it says that they started to repent for their sins. Why? Because they seen Ezra repenting. They repented because they seen Ezra crying out to God for the lost, crying out to God in repentance. There's still power in prayer. There's still power in repentance. You see, if not for Ezra taking a stand and repenting on their behalf, they would still be lost. But it took a man of God to step up and cry out for his generation. So let me tell you tonight, I believe that, that God is going to bring revival. I believe that he's doing it already. I believe that he's going to come for this world. I believe that he's going to bring revival in our government. But let me tell you, it's going to start with men, with women of God who are willing to cry out to God in repentance who are willing to cry out to God for the sins of the lost. You see, some of us can be so fed up with this generation, right? So fed up with how the world is going, with how our nation is going, with how the president is leading us. We can be so fed up with how the government is going, so upset that so-called Christians are changing the word of God to fit their narrative. I mean, I just seen a video on Sunday of, of a woman uh, paraphrasing the story about the woman who was caught in adultery. And she was completely wrong. Like she was just sharing this made up story that she believed was true. But in the word of God, it, it says nothing like that. This is what's happening in our world today. See, we can get so upset about how everything is going. Let me ask you, have you prayed about it? Let me ask you, have you cried out to God and asked for forgiveness? Have you cried out to God and asked for God to change their hearts? Let me tell you, if you're not praying for this generation, if you're not praying for the future generations or even this world, and you're just complaining about it, nothing will change. Let me tell you, it's only through faith and through prayer that will move the hand of God. See, I love this story because the people of Israel begin to repent for their sins. And the thing is, they go on to tell Ezra, Ezra, you know what? We're going to make a new covenant before God. We're going to get rid of all our past. We're going to get rid of all our pagan wives. And we're going to serve God. In this story, this is complete repentance is happening right now before God in this story. And what happens next is something I want to focus on tonight. 
In Ezra chapter 10, verse 3 through 4, it says this. This is the Israelites talking. It says, Therefore, let's make a covenant before our God to send away all the foreign wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and those who tremble at the command of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Listen to this. They're telling Ezra this. Get up, for this matter is your responsibility. Be strong and take action. If any of you guys know this story, after they told Ezra this, Ezra got up and he went on to lead the people of Israel back to God. He began to lead them back in restoration. You see, he led a group of of Israelites who had turned away from God. And as I was reading this story, it stuck with me because this is exactly how our world is right now. There are so many people that are lost. There are so many people who are living in in this world that are lost. And I really do believe that things can change. I believe people can come back to the Lord, but only if there are Christians that are willing to lead them back like Ezra. See, the lost are in need of leaders and people who are true followers of Christ. Not just people who say they love Jesus, but a people with, that live with conviction. A people that live with the holy fear of God, who have a heart for the lost, who lives a life that pleases God. See, tonight my goal for you is that when it comes to leading the lost, when it comes to leading a generation back to the kingdom of God, we as Christians and we as a church need to get up, we need to be strong, and we need to take action. Tonight, can you pray with me? So, Father, we pray tonight, Jesus. Lord, let every, let every word that I speak, God, let them hear your voice and not my voice, Father. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd begin to speak to them even now, Father. We, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, God. Father, we honor you, God. Tonight is all about you, Jesus. Lord, we pray, God, for the revelation to be shown to them tonight, Lord. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing and for what you're going to do, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys give it up for Daisy? I love, I love the end of that scripture. It says, get up. For this matter is your responsibility. See, in order to do anything in life, in order to, before you go to work, before you get your day started, there's something that everyone does, whether it's in the morning or or some of you in the afternoon, um, we get up. You see, you can't start your day without first getting up. You can't get anything done if you don't get up. Growing up, we were all taught this, right? If you fall fall down, what? You get up. You get back up again. You see, to get up is to start something. It's to begin whatever it is you need to get done. You see, I think about this as Christians. When we got saved, we, we, we left the old man in the grave, and we got up as a new creation in Christ. See, that's why I love that part of I thank God, right? You get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Like, I just want to, like, jump in it. Like, I get, I get excited because it's, it's symbolizing that we're leaving our past behind, and we're walking in the call that God has given us. We spiritually leave our past. We spiritually leave our sins. We leave our old man and we get up in our new creation. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, we have to continually get up every day and follow Christ. Every day we're called to kill our flesh. Every day we're called to take up our cross 
and follow him. Just like in, in our everyday lives, everyone in this room has to get up to start our day. Nobody just gets up once a week. I, I would hope not. Nobody, nobody gets up once a month, right? But the unfortunate thing is spiritually, that's what most Christians do. We kill our flesh weekly. We kill our flesh monthly. And we do it so inconsistently that the grave we're laying in becomes comfortable now. The flesh becomes so strong that when it's time to get up, we can't because our spirit's too weak. For some of us, getting up has become now an option rather than a necessity. Well, today's been rough, so, you know, I, I can't go to service tonight. You know, I heard Jacob was preaching. I'm just going to watch online. You know, I, I, I was going to pray. I was going to read, but it's been so hot lately. I just don't want to do anything. And the more we choose to stay down in the grave... The more we choose not to get up, the more we choose to, to stay down, the more we become just like the world. Just like the Israelites who turned away from God. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, it says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. The difference between godly, between the godly men and women of God and the wicked is the wicked stay down. The wicked don't get up again. Some, some of us tonight haven't gotten up spiritually in a long time. You may be questioning why you keep going through the same things over and over again. Why you keep ending up in this cycle. Let me ask you, have you gotten up spiritually? Have you killed your flesh? I love what my dad says. It says seasons change with time, but cycles change with us. You see, the cycle you keep finding yourself in is not going to end with time. The only way your cycle will end if you get up from it is if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, is if you kill your flesh daily, if you take up your cross and you follow him. You see, the lost that are living in this world today, don't get offended. We, we don't need more lazy Christians. We don't need more Christians who haven't decided already that they're going to get up. We don't need more inconsistent Christians what the lost need are men and women of God who are willing to get up. See, the people of Israel repented. But after that, they needed a man of God to lead them to figure out what to do next. When they needed a leader, Ezra got up and he led them. Ezra, Ezra was, was ready because he had made a decision already to get up. Don't be caught sleeping in your grave when it's time to lead the lost. We're not called to stay in our grave. The lost now more than ever need to see a good example of a Christian. We need a good example of a Christian who will get up. Just like Ezra, it's our responsibility to get up. See, I'm here tonight and I was reading this. If, if Ezra didn't get up, the people of Israel would have been lost. They wouldn't have known what to do after they had repented. See, not only are we called as Christians to get up, but we're called to be strong. See, I've seen so many people leave the faith. So many people that I looked up to. So many people that I've seen that once had a fire for God, but they left. And it's only one reason. Their foundation was built on something else besides Jesus. 
Let me tell you, if your life is built on anything besides Jesus, your foundation is weak. And let me tell you, when your foundation is weak, you won't last in the kingdom of God. That's why so many Christians try to come back to church, right? They try to get up again, and they try to serve God, and, and they're coming. But if they don't change their foundation, if they haven't allowed Jesus to be their rock, it's not going to last. You see, this lost world needs Christians who are strong in their faith. Christians who will lead them and teach them how to serve God, who will guide them in living right. They don't need Christians who will compromise their walk with God because it's going to offend somebody. They don't need Christians who will affirm their feelings when they feel like they're a different gender than what they were born. They don't need Christians who who are going to support their decision to kill a baby. The last need Christians who will get up and be strong in the faith. Christians who will have strong convictions, strong beliefs. That they're not going to waver when they hear somebody on social media. They need Christians who will teach them how to live righteously. Who will teach them how to pray. Who will teach them how to read the word of God. See, one of the things I learned growing up is that if you want to be strong in the faith, very simple, you have to read the word. And I was talking to Pastor Isaac and Pastor Rob, and I began to have this, this something in my, just a thought that I had that I don't understand how people could come to church every day, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Friday, every Saturday, and not read the word of God. We, come, we came to this agreement that what we do is based off this book. It's based off the living word of God. You see, the reason why I come to church, the reason why I lead the youth, the reason why I come on Saturday mornings, the reason why I live is based off this book. It's based off this living word of God. See, if I don't, if I don't read it, how would I know what I'm living for? How would I know who to have faith in when I need a miracle? How would I know what to believe when I hear something that contradicts what I've been taught? How would I know who to turn to to give me strength to be strong when I'm weak? It's all by reading the word of God. The lost need Christians who are strong in the faith. The lost need Christians who know why they're living for Jesus. Not just because of what the preacher says, but because they know the word of God. You see, it's through the word that the Lord is able to teach me how to be a better husband, how to be a better father, how to be a better leader. I'm strong because he makes me strong. See, I don't rely on anything else besides the word of God. I don't rely, I don't place my trust in anything else besides Jesus because I believe what the word of God says. You may say, Jacob, I know this already. I know that I need to read the word of God. I know that I need to pray. Let me give you this revelation. You have to actually read it. That's it. You got to do it. The sad thing is the majority in this room don't read their Bible. Got quiet, huh? You see, I'm not talking about those daily verses that the Bible app gives you. I'm not talking about those pictures that you see on Instagram. I'm talking about really reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. So you can't be strong in the faith unless you know the Word of God, unless you get up spiritually, 
See, Ezra knew the word, and he was strong in the faith. But check this out. He actually lived it out. See, the only way we can lead the lost or anybody to Jesus, the only way we can be strong in the faith is if we're living out what the word of God says. Is if you're actually putting it into action. Something I learned in, in, in Bible study when I was young, years back, and, and actually Pastor Isaac taught me this, is, and I mentioned this before, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the understanding of something, knowing, but wisdom is when you apply that knowledge to your life. You see, let me tell you, you can know everything there is to know about the Word of God. You can know everything there is to know about theology. You can even attend Reach Bible Institute every single semester. And be Pastor Rob's star student. But let me tell you, if you don't take action and apply it to your life, it means nothing. See, when Ezra found the Israelites who had sinned against God, he was able to bring them to repentance. Let me tell, let me tell you, not because of the knowledge he had. Not because he had this five-step plan to be restored. Not even because he told them to repent. All he did was repent on their behalf in front of him. Ezra sent the standard of repentance. He taught them how to repent through his own actions. See, when he cried out to God and wept before the Lord, it brought others to do the same. It was only because Ezra took action that the Israelites repented before the Lord. Let me tell you, when it comes to leading others, some may respond well when you tell them what to do. I'll be honest, some will do that. But more will follow if you just show them what to do. If you take action. In James chapter 2, verse 14 and 17, and I'm going to have the worship team come up. It says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. See, I believe the time we're living in, the church today has a lot of dead and useless Christians. Well, at Jacob, I've been here for 30 years. I've been serving God for longer than you've been alive. I've been doing this for a long time. Well, let me ask you, what have you done? Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Unless you're putting into action what you're believing, then it doesn't matter. You can be here for years. You can be here longer than I've been alive. But if you're not producing anything, it doesn't matter. You see, I'm here to tell you the church would rather have people who don't know anything but are willing to do something than people who know it all and are lazy. I'm going to say that again. Thank you, Pastor Isaac. Let me tell you this. The church would rather have people who don't know anything but are willing to do something than people who know it all and are lazy. You see, you can't become a Christian. You can't be a Christian and your life not produce anything. It doesn't work. You see, if you're not willing to do something for the kingdom of God, if you're not willing 
to serve. If you're not willing to take action, then this isn't for you. Taking action, doing something for the kingdom of God is a result of having faith. It's a byproduct of you believing in Jesus. Look to your neighbor and tell them, take action. We need to take action as Christians. You see, growing up, you see, growing up, my parents would always tell me to read my Bible. They'd always tell me to pray. They'd tell me to live righteously. And let me tell you, I definitely was not one of the people who responded well when he told them what to do. I just wasn't, to be honest with you guys. But what made a real impact in my life is when I actually seen them doing it. See, although I didn't really like this, every morning around 6, 6.30 in the morning, I would hear my mom reading her Bible. Let me be clear. I didn't say I got up and I seen my mom read her Bible. I heard my mom read her Bible. She didn't care how loud she was. In fact, she wanted everyone in the house to know what she was reading. You see, she didn't care. She made sure that if we didn't read our Bible that day, we were going to hear the Word of God one way or another. And thinking about this growing up, I didn't realize it until recently, until I was talking to Pastor Isaac, that a lot of what I do now is because of what I seen growing up. Seeing my parents read their Bible, seeing my parents pray, seeing my parents be the same person they were on the stage than they were off the stage. Let me tell you, they took action. They applied it to their lives and it's because of them doing that. It's because of them taking action that I am the person that I am today. Parents, let me encourage you. Now, I can talk to this parents because I am now a parent, okay? Let me encourage you. If you want to see your children serve God, just telling them is not going to cut it. Just bringing them to church, bringing them to youth, to outings, although it's good, it's good for them, it's not enough. Your kids need to see it. Your kids need to see you take action and apply it to your own life. They need to see you read. They need to see you worship. They need to see you live a life for Jesus. If they don't see it at home, what makes you think they'll live it out? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of, God, of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, it's only the ones who take action. It's only the ones who, do the, who does the will of the Father that will inherit the kingdom of God. Not everyone who just talks about heaven will go there. There needs to be some action behind what you say. If you want to lead anyone to Christ, it takes action. You see, Ezra set the standard of repentance by taking action and showing them how to repent. Let me ask you, what kind of standard are you setting? Husband, father, mother, wife. Husband, I said that already. What kind of standard are you setting for your family? Christian, what kind of standard are you setting for those that are around you? What kind of standard are you setting for those that follow you on social media? What kind of standard are you setting for your coworkers, for your friends, for your family? See, I can tell you right now that the enemy is not afraid of taking action. See, the enemy is constantly taking action. 
We see it everywhere now. It's in our schools. It's in our government. It's even, it's even in our entertainment. There is no covering what the enemy wants to do. See, we know he's like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And every day, the enemy is taking more and more with them. The enemy will not stop taking action. So why should we? You see, I believe tonight it's time that we get back in the Word of God. It's time that we get back in prayer. It's time that we actually live out what we've been reading, what we've been preaching. It's time to take action for the kingdom of God and take back what the enemy stole from you. You want to see your family come back to Jesus? Take action. You want to see our nation come back to Jesus? Take action. You want to see revival come to America? Then what? Take action. First John 4.4, 4, it says this, You dear children, you dear children are, far, are, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. See, it's time to go before, the God, before God in prayer and cry out to him again. It's time to be like Ezra. You see, the church needs people of God who are not afraid to take action. That's what this dying world needs. They need Christians who will live out their walk with God. See, without taking action, we're just like the Israelites. Knowing who God is, knowing that he's rescued them, he's given them love and mercy time and time again, but we eventually wander off and go back to our old lifestyles. You see, I believe tonight the only way for this generation, the only way for our nation to experience revival like we've seen in the book of Ezra is if we take action and show them. Not just tell them, but show them how to pray. Show them how to read and show them how to live for Jesus. See, we need to show them how to get up spiritually. We need to show them how to be strong in the faith. We need to show them how to take action and apply it to their lives. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed. So I believe Jesus is in this place. Let me tell you, there's no better life than to live for Jesus. There's nothing this world has to offer that can even come close. See, I tell the youth, all the, I tell the youth this all the time. I live for him because he gave it all for me. See, why wouldn't I serve Jesus? As jacked up as I was, he still died for me. As jacked up as some of you were, he still died for you. It says in the Bible, while we were still sinning, Christ died for me. The only way the people of Israel were able to be restored by God, the only way I was able to receive forgiveness was I repented and I asked the Lord to forgive me. First John 1 John 1.9, it says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, all Jesus needs tonight is someone who's willing to admit that they're a sinner and to need a forgiveness. See, everyone in this room, Jesus died for you. Regardless of what you did in the past, regardless of what you've done tonight, said he died for you. The people of Israel were lost. They've made mistakes time and time, time again, and they failed God time and time again. 
Yet God was faithful and just to forgive them of their sins. All you need to do is ask for forgiveness. All you need to do is admit that you're a sinner and admit that you need a savior. See, tonight this world is dying. They're dying because they don't know Jesus. And if you were to die right now without knowing Jesus, there's only one place that you go, and that's hell. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you there's a way out. There's a hope. There's a person who died for you and gave it all for you so that one day you would just get the opportunity to know him. See, he doesn't force us to serve him. He doesn't force us to love him. He died for us so that we would just get the opportunity. It's your decision whether or not you want to follow Christ or not. It's your decision whether or not you want to really admit that you need a Savior. And so tonight, if you're in this place and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I'm a jacked up person. I know I'm a sinner, but I want to be saved. And I want this Jesus that you're talking about. I want to be forgiven. I want to be able to go to heaven. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. See, tonight I believe Jesus is speaking to every one of you in this room. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, he's giving you this opportunity right now. Like I said, he doesn't force you. He doesn't make you do it. He just hopes that you would make that decision. He loves you so much that he just gives you the opportunity to do it. He gives you what we call free will. You get to make your own decisions in life. Even God won't force you. Now, if you're in this room and you're saying, Jacob, I want to give my life to the Lord. Why don't you just raise your hand? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I believe Jesus is in this room tonight. If you're sitting there and you're trying to find every reason why it can't be you, it's probably you. If you're sitting there and you're like, man, I wish you just get this over with, it's probably you. Jesus died for you so that you would get this chance. He died for you knowing how you would be, knowing how you would act because he knew you would be in this very church tonight and that you would get the opportunity to serve him. Now I'm going to ask one last time. If you're sitting in this room and you haven't raised your hand yet and you want to accept Jesus in your heart, I want you to just raise your hand. Thank you. Why don't we all stand tonight? If you're in the church and you rose your hand and you want to accept Jesus in your heart, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. And it's going to be a little bit scary, but we're going to be here to cheer cheer you on. If you raised your hand to accept Jesus, can you guys come and meet me at the altar?
We're, we're going to cheer you on. If you raise your hand to commit your life to Jesus, why don't you come to the front? Wow, praise God. How you doing, man? God bless you, man. How you doing? Think about Jesus loves you guys. He knew that you guys would be here at Reach Paramount this Wednesday night so that he can speak to you guys. So that you would get the chance to know him. We got more people. That's awesome. I'm going to tell you this right now. This this is the best decision that you would ever make. This is the best thing for your life. Jesus changed my life years ago. If you would have known me years ago, you wouldn't have liked me. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't have liked you either. But I'm, I'm telling you that because Jesus will change your life forever. He will change who you are for the better. And I believe God had you here for a reason. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer, but I'm going to ask that you would repeat after me. But when you repeat after me, I, I don't want you to say it to me because I'm not the one who can save you. I'm not the one who can forgive you of your sins. There's only one person, and that's Jesus. So when you repeat after me, I want you to repeat it as if Jesus is in this room because I believe he is. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, and I want you to mean it with your heart, and I want you to pray it as if Jesus is in this room. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? And if everyone in this room could also repeat it as well so to help them out. Repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. I believe that you're the Son of God. I ask you, Lord, to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Lord, to change my life that from this day forward, I will honor you and I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys give praise to the Lord right now? We're going to have some workers pray with you guys tonight. Tonight, if you're in this room and anything that I said, if there's anything that I, that I shared with you and, and you're like, man, I, I need to get up again. Man, I need to be stronger in the faith. Man, I need to take action. If that's you, just come to the front. Come to the front. I want to pray with you guys right now. I believe God wants to do something tonight. I believe God wants this generation to come to know the Lord. I believe God is bringing revival, but it's going to start with you. It's going to start with you, the men and women of God, crying out to the Lord. Begin to pray. Begin to cry out to the Lord. Jesus, all we want is you, Jesus. All we need is you, Father. Lord, we pray right now, God, help us, God. Help us get out of the grave, Jesus. Help us leave our past, God. Help us be strong in you, Father. Lord, we pray, God, that our foundation is in you, Lord. Father, we pray, God, that you would be our life, Lord, that you would be our rock, God. 
And Lord, we pray, God, that you'd give them confidence, God. Give them boldness to take action, Jesus. Father, we pray right now. Begin to keep praying, Lord. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.
for some people in this room, this is not going to be an easy road to overcome. And if you look at the story of the Israelites, you see that the Israelites, they wanted, they just wanted to be like everyone else. And the problem with that is that God had called them a holy, a holy people, which was separated to God alone. And the reason that he was, the reason that that he wanted them separated and to him alone, was so that he would be able to demonstrate his power through them. And I'm here to tell you that there's some of you that you're kind of fit and you want a little bit of God and you want a little bit of this world, and it's just never going to work because God has called you the called out ones, the ecclesia, the church. And so tonight, maybe there's some here in the room that you say, you know what, I, I, I just I need to give it up. I need to get up. I need to be strong. And I need, to, I, I need to move past it. If that's you this, tonight, I want you to lift your hands. Come on, all over this place. And we're going to ask God to help us. Come on, all over this place, lift your hands up. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that it's inspirational. Father, it moves us from one place to the next. And I pray tonight, God, that we would be moved to action, God. I pray, Lord, no longer will we, no, no longer will we become complacent. No longer will we compromise, God, but that we would move to action, God. Help us. Strengthen our faith, God. Lord, that we'd be able to be the called out ones, the ecclesia, God, the, the church that you called us. Father, that we'd be, that we make impact, God, wherever we're at. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight, God. I pray, Lord, that it would resonate. Lord, that it would illuminate in our hearts and our minds, God, that it would bring change and transformation. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, God, for who you are. And we bless your name. And the church of God, if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Come on, say amen like you mean it. Such a powerful, dynamic word tonight. How many of you appreciate Pastor Jacob Lopez? I honor you, brother. Powerful word tonight. We appreciate every single one of you being with us here. Come on. Our fireworks stand is open, okay? So, so help us out. Uh, be a part of all that God is doing. Thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. Click the notification bell and like this video. We'll see you next time.